Chapter forty four of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the onslaught of the men of the steer, the bridge and the bull. Wild was the turmoil and confusion in the market stead, for the more part of the men therein knew not what had befallen about the altar, though some clomb up to the top of that stack of faggots built for the burning of the thralls and when they saw what was toward, fell to yelling and cursing, and their fellows on the plain place could not hear their story for the clamour, and they also fell to howling, as if a wood full of wild dogs was there. And still the shafts rained down on that throng from the bent of the bowmen, for another two-score men of the woodlanders had crept down the hill to them, and shafts failed them not. But the dusky men about the altar, for all their terror, or even maybe because of it, now began to turn upon the scarce-seen foemen, and to press up wildly toward the hillside, though as it were without any order or aim. Every man of them had his weapons, and those no mere gilded toys, but their very tools of battle, and some, but no great number, had their bows with them, and a few shafts, and these began to shoot at whatsoever they could see on the hillside, but at first, so wildly and hurriedly, that they did no harm. It must be said of them that at first only those about the altar fell on toward the hill, for those about the road that led southward knew not what had betided nor whither to turn, so that at the beginning of this battle, of all the thousands in the great place, it was but a few hundreds that set on the bent of the bowmen, and at these the bowmen of the kindreds shot so close and so wholly together that they fell one over another in the narrow ways between the houses, whereby they must needs go to gather on the plain ground betwixt the back of the houses and the break of the hillside. But little by little the archers of the dusky men gathered behind the corpses of the slain, and fell to shooting at what they could see of the men of the kindreds, which at that while was not much, for as bold as they were, they fought like wary hunters of the wood and the waste, but now at last throughout all that throng of felons in the market-place, the tale began to spread of foemen coming to the dale, and shooting from the bents, and all they turned their faces to the hill, and the whole set of the throng was thitherward, though they fared but slowly, so evil was the order of them, each man hindering his neighbour as he went. And not only did the dusky men come flock-meal toward the bent of the bowmen, but also they jostled along toward the road that led southward. That beheld Woodwise from the bent, and he was minded to get him and his aback, now that they had made so great a slaughter of the foemen. And two or three of his fellows had been hurt by arrows, and Bowmay she would have been slain thrice over, but for the hammer-work of the alderman. And no marvel was that, for now she stood on a little mound, not half covered by a thin thorn-bush, and notched and loosed at whatever was most notable, as though she were shooting at the mark on a summer evening in shadowy vale. But as Woodwise was at point to give the word to depart, from behind them rang out the merry sound of the Burgdale horns, and he turned to look at the woodside, and lo, thereunder was the hill, bright and dark with men-at-arms, and over them floated the banners of the wolf, and the banners of the steer, the bridge and the bull, then gave forth the bowmen of the kindreds their first shout, and they made no stay in their shooting, but shot the eagerer, 
for they deemed that help would come without their turning about to draw it to them. And even so it was, for straightway down the bent came striding face of God betwixt the two banners of the wolf, and beside him were Red Wolf the Tall and Wargrove, and therewithal Woodwant and Woodwicked, and many other men of the wolf. For now that the men of the kindreds had been brought face to face with the foe, and there was less need of them for wayleaders, the more part of them were liefer to fight under their own banner, along with the woodlanders. So that the company of those who went under the wolves was more than three long hundreds and a half, and the bowmen on the edge of the bent shouted again and merrily when they felt that their brothers were amongst them, and presently was the arrow-storm at its fiercest, and the twanging of bowstrings and the whistle of the shafts was as the wind among the clefts of the mountains, for all the newcomers were bowmen of the best. But the kindreds of the steer, the bridge, and the bull, they hung on yet a while longer on the hill's brow, their banners floating over them and their horns blowing, and the dusky felons in the market-place beheld them, and fear and rage at once filled their hearts, and a fierce and dreadful yell break out from them, and joyously did the men of Burgdale answer them, and song arose amongst them, even such as this. The men of the bridge sing, Why stand ye together? Why bear ye the shield? Now the calf straineth tether at the edge of the field. Now the lamb bleateth stronger, and waters run clear, and the day groweth longer, and glad is the year. Now the mead-flowers jostle so thick as they stand, and singeth the throstle all over the land. The men of the steer sing, No cloud the day darkened, no thunder we heard, but the horn's speech we hearkened as men unafeared. Yea, so merrily it sounded, we turned from the dale, where all wealth abounded to what of its tale. The men of the bridge sing, what white bulls then bear ye, what wealth of the woods, what chafferers hear ye, bid loud for your goods. The men of the bull sing, Oh, the bright beams we carry are stems of the steel, no long shall we tarry across them to deal. Hark, the men of the cheaping, how loudly they cry, on the hook for the reaping of men doomed to die. They all sing, Eve, spear up, fare forward, O men of the dale, for the warrior our war-watch shall hearken the tale. Therewith they ceased a moment, and then gave a great and hearty shout altogether, and all their horns blew, and they moved on down the hill as one man, slowly and with no jostling, the spearmen first, and then they of the axe and the sword, and on their flanks the deft archers loosed on the stumbling, jostling throng of the dusky men, who for their part came on drifting and surging up the road to the hill. But when those big spearmen of the dale had gone a little way, the horn's voice died out, and their great staved spears rose up from their shoulders into the air, and stood so a moment, and then slowly fell forward, as the oars of the longship fall into the rollocks, and then over the shoulders of the foremost men showed the steel of the five ranks behind them, and their own spears cast long bars of shadow on the whiteness of the sunny road. No sound came from them now, save the rattle of their armour and the tramp of their steady feet, but from the dusky men rose up hideous, confused yelling, and those that could free themselves from the tangle of the throng rushed desperately against the unrolling hedge of steel, and the whole throng shoved on behind them. Then met steel and men, 
here and there an ash-stave broke here and there a dusky felon rolled himself unhurt under the ash-staves and hewed the knees of the dalesmen and a tall man came tottering down but what men or woodwhites could endure the push of spears of these mighty husbandmen the dusky ones shrunk back yelling or turned their backs and rushed at their own folk with such fierce agony that they entered into the throng till the terror of the spear reached to the midmost of it and swayed them back on the hindermost for neither was there outgates for the felons on the flanks of the spearmen since there the feathered death beset them and the bowmen and the bride amongst the foremost shot wholly together and no shaft flew idly but the wise leaders of the dalesmen would not that they should thrust in too far amongst the howling throng of the dusky men lest they should be hemmed in by them for they were but a handful in regard to them so there they stayed barring the way to the dusky men and the bowmen still loosed from the flanks of them or aimed deftly from betwixt the ranks of the spearmen and now there was a space of ten strides or more betwixt the dalesmen and their foes over which the spears hung terribly nor durst the dusky men adventure there and thereon was nought but men dead or sorely hurt then suddenly a horn rang thrice shrilly over all the noise and clamour of the throng and the ranks of the spearmen opened and forth into that space strode two score of the swordsmen and axe-wielders of the dale their weapons raised in their hands and he who led them was iron hand of the house of the bull tall he was wide-shouldered exceeding strong but beardless and fair-faced he bore aloft a two-edged sword broad-bladed exceeding heavy so that few men could wield it in battle but not right long it was an ancient weapon and his father before him had called it barley scythe with him were some of the best of the kindreds as wolf of whitegarth longhand of Oakholt, hart of highcliffe and warwell the captain of the bridge these made no tarrying on that space of the dead but cried aloud their cries for the burg and the steer for the dale and the bridge for the dale and the bull and so fell at once on the felons who fled not nor had room to flee and also they feared not the edge weapons so sorely as they feared those huge spears so they turned fiercely on the swordsmen and chiefly on iron hand as he entered in amongst them the first of all hewing to the right hand and the left and many a man fell before the barley scythe for they were but little before him yet as one fell another took his place and hewed at him with the steel axe and the crooked sword and with many strokes they clave his shield and break his helm and rent his burney while he heeded little save smiting with the barley scythe and the blood ran from his arm and his shoulder and his thigh but warwell had entered in among the foe on his left hand and unshielded hove up a great broad-bladed axe that, that clave the iron helms of the dusky men and rent their horn-scaled burnies he was not very tall but his shoulders were huge and his arms long and naught could abide his stroke he cleared a ring round iron hand whose eyes were growing dim as the blood flowed from him and hewed three strokes before him then turned and drew the champion out of the throng and gave him into the arms of his fellows to staunch the blood that drained away the might of his limbs and then 
with a great wordless roar, leapt back again on the dusky men, as the lion leapeth on the herd of swine, and they shrank away before him, and all the swordsmen shouted, For the bridge, for the bridge, and pressed on the harder, smiting down all before them. On his left hand now was Hart of Highcliffe, wielding a good sword, Height Chip-Driver, wherewith he had slain and hurt a many, fighting wisely with sword and shield, and driving the point home through the joints of the armour. But even therewith, as he drave a great stroke at a lord of the dusky ones, a caspier came flying and smote him on the breast, so that he staggered, and the stroke fell flatlings on the shield-boss of his foe, and chip-driver brake a twain nigh the hilts. But Hart closed with him, and smote him on the face with the pommel, and tore his axe from his hand, and clave his skull therewith, and slew him with his own weapon, and fought on valiantly beside Warwell. Now Warwell had fought so fiercely, that he had rent his own hauberk with the might of his strokes, and as he raised his arm to smite a huge stroke, a deft man of the felons thrust the spike of his war-axe up under his arm, and when Warwell felt the smart of the steel, he turned on that man, and letting his axe fall down to his wrist, and hang there by its loop, he caught the foeman up by the neck and the breech, and drave him against the other dusky ones before him, so that their weapons pierced and rent their own friend and fellow. Then he put forth the might of his arms and the pith of his body, and hove up that felon, and cast him on to the heads of his fellow murder carls, so that he rent them, and was rent by them. Then Warwell fell on again with the axe, and all the champions of the dale shouted and fell on with him, and the foe shrank away, and the dalesmen cleared a space five fathoms length before them, and the spearmen drew onward and stood on the space whereon the first onslaught had been. Then drew those hewers of the dale together, and forth from the company came the man that bare the banner of the bridge, and the champions gathered round him, and they ordered their ranks, and strode with the banner before them, three times to and fro across the road, athwart the front of the spearmen, and then, with a great shout, drew back within the spear-hedge. Albeit five of the champions of the dale had been slain outright there, and the more part of them hurt more or less. But when all were well within the ranks, once again blew the horn, and all the spears sank to the rest, and the kindreds drave the spear-furrow, and a space was swept clear before them, and the cries and yells of the dusky men were so fierce and wild that the rough voices of the dalesmen were drowned amidst them. Forth then came every bowman of the kindred that was there, and loosed on the dusky men, and they forsooth had some bowmen amongst them, but cooped up and jostled as they were, they shot but wildly, whereas each shaft of the dale went home truly. But amongst the bowmen forth came the bride in her glittering war-gear, and stepped lightly to the front of the spearmen. Her own U-bow had been smitten by a shaft and broken in her hand, so she had caught up a short hornbow and a quiver from one of the slain of the dusky men, and now she knelt on one knee under the shadow of the spears nigh to her grandsire, Hallward, and with a pale face and knitted brow, notched and loosed and notched and loosed on the throng of foemen, as if she were some daintily fashioned engine of war. So fared the battle on the road that went from the south into the market-stead. Valiantly had the kindred fought there, 
and no man of them had blenched, and much they had won, but the way was perilous before them, for the foe was many and many. End of chapter 44